This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo here at AOC. We may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. Today on Fan Mail Friday, as usual, those questions come from you. If you're new to The Art of Charm podcast, Fan Mail Friday, well, it's maybe my favorite show to do, but it's not my favorite place for new people to start. Most of our content is more in-depth, and it's longer format. So check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. Those are also separate tabs in our iPhone app if you got that rocking and rolling on your on your smartphone. At the toolbox, we've got the fundamentals of reading body language and charismatic nonverbal communication, the science of attraction, negotiation techniques, networking, influence strategies, persuasion tactics, basically everything that we teach here at The Art of Charm. And we'll send that to your inbox if you text the word charmed to 33444 in the States here. That's C-H-A-R-M-E-D. You can text it to the number 33444 in the States. Anywhere else, just go to theartofcharm.com. All right, let's cut to it. This first question comes from an AOC sister. Jordan, I've been traveling a bit lately and had the opportunity to listen to a lot of your podcasts. In several episodes, you talked about how important looks are while dating. Also, you mentioned guys possibly being intimidated by girls who run Spartan races or the like. While I totally understand that's how a lot of guys are, I'm looking for some advice on how to overcome that obstacle. As you can see from the picture I sent, I'm not in the best shape, but working towards it. Over the last year, I've become more involved in GORUCK events and started taking Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes. Both are kind of crazy activities. I sometimes have a hard enough time motivating myself to get to the gym and can't afford to date someone who only wants to go out to eat or sit around on the couch doing nothing. Here comes the catch-22. I'm not in the shape most active guys would like, but I can't be with someone who won't at least do active things once in a while and will support me doing my crazy things. Lately, the only guys who are interested in me are married, need someone to take them grocery shopping, on the second date ask if I like to play wrestle, or would need to put a padlock on their tent if we went camping. I don't think (laughs) I have crazy expectations, but there are some things I'm unwilling to compromise on. Must be single. If he has kids, must be involved in their lives. Has a legal job. Either be active or willing to do active things, such as hiking, and be able to teach me something about something. And I never thought I would also have to add this, but he must be able to shop without supervision. Any advice is appreciated. Thanks for your time, Sarah. Oh, man, Sarah, you're (laughs) killing me. You're killing me. The bar is so high. Has to be single and has to have a legal job. And buy food. (laughs) And buy food. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I can shop without supervision, so I'm going to leave that one. Just leave that there. But uh, I, I think that lots of people are just not super high quality. And that's not a big surprise, but I'm not going to say like, oh, men are all like this or all people are like this. I think a lot of guys are like that for sure, but don't settle for that. No one should settle for that. The trick here, Sarah, is to keep working on yourself so that you deserve what you want. And I'm not saying you don't deserve what you want right now. uh, And I'm not saying you're not working on yourself right now. I'm saying you're actually doing all the right things. You're doing the active stuff. You're setting the bar high and not settling for the guy who, I'm guessing when she says take them grocery shopping, she means somebody who's so broke they can't afford any food. Uh, that that could swing both ways because there are some guys that go to the grocery store and can't tell, you know, a cabbage from a broccoli. So, 
Yeah, I, I think maybe that's what she. I, I'm not even sure, but either way, those things those things are terrible. Um, <laughs> not settling, keeping the bar high, continuing to work on yourself. It doesn't matter what shape you're in now; it's the direction that you're headed. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and say like, no, guys will love you for uh, th- what they see inside, and the outside doesn't matter, and all that other frufri Instagram meme stuff. That's just frankly not true. But the fact is, you're moving in the right direction. That's one very respectable, and two means that it's only a matter of time until you are very secure with the way that you look and we I know we added this letter down and there was a little bit more harping on maybe the physical appearance stuff but don't compromise on the relationship stuff just so that you don't feel alone that is extremely important it sounds like you're you're doing just the right thing right now and I want you to see that that is exactly what you're supposed to be doing settling for relationships getting yourself dragged down with low quality people is a surefire way to go backwards and in the wrong direction you need to surround yourself with friends who also meet other high-quality people. So maybe you're giving off some sort of insecure vibe if this is continuing to happen to you. I know that uh, that was mentioned sort of offhand earlier in the letter, and I'm not blaming you for that in any way. It's something that losers, unfortunately, as guys or girls can smell like shark smell blood in the water. So if you're putting off some sort of vibe that says desperate, insecure, lonely, you're going to end up with guys that need to be taken grocery shopping. But props to you, Sarah, for working on the right things, working on physical fitness, doing the crazy things that you like, and not trying to pound yourself into the mold that somebody else wants you to be, especially if that person is below the level of quality that you're looking to achieve. And I know this is very basic advice to just say keep moving forward, but what I'd like you to take away from this is the highlight that frankly, you're going to find yourself moving up in levels and the quality of people that you're hanging around as your level of security and personal satisfaction increases. And of course, as your level of fitness increases, you're going to be around more and more fit people at these events that you're doing. And the community around that, I think, is going to provide for you very well. It's not going to happen as fast as you'd like, but it's not going to take as long as you think either. Thanks for being a fan, Sarah. All right, next up. Hello, Jordan and the AOC team. Let me start by saying the show has been an incredibly helpful tool in my life from entrepreneurship to my everyday relationships, and I've been really enjoying the addition of Minnesota Monday and Fan Mail Fridays. All right. All right. My girlfriend and I have been dating for about a year and a half now, and we're totally crazy about each other. I'm 25 and she's 24. Anyone who knows us well enough knows we spend a lot of time together and get along great. She's my ideal partner and we have a lot in common. She's caring, compassionate, thoughtful, hilarious, and incredibly beautiful. Her family seems to really like me, too, and the feeling is reciprocated. My only cringeworthy quality is this. Alcohol changes her into a completely different person. Uh. Everything will be going great. We'll attend a party or social gathering, and after about her third drink, things get weird. I don't drink due to some recent liver problems, so I'm always sober and see things unfold with a focused eye. She will begin to become passive-aggressive about little things, become overly sensitive, and treat me like I'm just some guy she brought to the party so she didn't have to come alone instead of being her boyfriend. After a few more drinks, she'll become mean and call people the C-word and push me away telling me that I'm making her anxious because I'm judging her. And it goes downhill from there. I've talked to her about her behavior and nearly every time this happens, she says I'm exaggerating and that she didn't even drink that much. She seems to have no idea of how her behavior affects me. She'll apologize, but has said she feels like I judge her for trying to have a good time. It'll take me a few days to get over it and begin to see how amazing and kind she is while sober. She has a rough past and a lot of baggage, so I can understand she may be using alcohol occasionally to help cope. That being said, when I say to her, 
I don't care if you want to have a few drinks. Just be considerate of me because I don't drink and you tend to treat me differently when alcohol is involved. She disregards it and says that she doesn't act differently when drinking. Am I overthinking all this because I don't partake and can't relate? Am I really making her feel judged when I get upset only when she drinks? Or is there a way I can talk to her so she can see my side of it? I really love her, and at the end of the day, she makes me feel good. I keep telling myself it could be worse. She's only like this once every two months or so, not every day or week. Am I justifying too much? Any advice would be most appreciated. Keep up the great work, Confused Canadian. Man, this is rough. And look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. So I'm going to just sort of preface this with that. But these sound like alcoholic tendencies. I'm not saying she's an alcoholic. I'm not saying that she even has a quote unquote problem with alcohol if she doesn't think she does. However, just because someone doesn't drink often doesn't mean they don't abuse alcohol, which is what it sounds like is happening here. We tend to think of alcoholics as people who drink every day, starting with breakfast, and that's just not the case. Here's my advice, and this worked. I'm, I didn't have alcoholic tendencies, but I've certainly gotten uh, too drunk uh, at times in my life. I mean, it's. Uh, I feel like many <laughs> of us have done that. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't what, help that you're a lightweight. Yeah, it doesn't help <laughs> that I can have like two drinks and then, you know, you find me going, I never drink this much. Um, <laughs> but but uh, film it. Uh, what happened with me, and I don't know if I told you this, Jason, when we moved into this house here, we got Nest uh, cams. Yeah. We got Nest cams, and one of them is in the garage. Oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one day, you know, Jen and I are at a party or something. She drives home, and I'm just feeling car sick, man, because drinking and, like, going on the highway, and then, like, if I ate, I don't know, we ate something, and I just wasn't feeling good. I started feeling car sick, and we got home, and or I should say right before we got home, I just leaned out the window and just let it, just let it oh, fly. Man. And I was just like, oh, I feel so much better. And I didn't remember this at the time, of course. And then we get back and Jen's like, look, I'll help you clean this up. But, you know, you need to clean this up, too, because, like, this wouldn't have happened if we weren't drinking. And I said something like, this sucks. I don't want to clean this up. You know, I was just, like, being obnoxious and loud. And mm -hmm. our neighborhood is small. We have tons of people really close to us. I'm always quiet. Even when I'm working out in the daytime in the garage, I'm quiet. I don't turn the music up too high. And here I am. It's probably 1 a.m., you know, on a Thursday. I'm like, I can't get it all off with the towel. So the next day she's like, hey, not rude at all, not judgy at all. Um, she just goes, just do me a favor and, and look at the video from last night. I'm like, video? And she's like, yeah, here it is. And she cues up the, the Nest Cam app, and there's this video of me just looking like a freaking loser, sloppy punk, like loud, you know, can't even wipe the car off with the paper towel. And then she's like, here, let me get this. And I'm like, no, I got it myself. You know, I'm just being such a, an awful <laughs> idiot. And that video, every time I'm thinking, like, maybe I should have another one. I mean, that worked on me so well. Our garage camera caught this sloppy slurring. It was the worst thing ever. If if that worked for me, and I'm someone who's like, you know, I can I can do this, or like I can figure out a way around this, or I can come up with a system to beat this type of thing. I didn't need any of that. I really haven't had much since then because I just can't get this video out of my head. So what I'm telling you, confused <laughs> Canadian, is film it. You know, next time you're like, hey, hon, and and you got to be tactful about this. Don't shove an iPhone camera in her face or something like that. But if you can film it either with a garage, you know, garage cam style, or you can have someone else film it while she's talking to you. I think she might realize what's happening. Because the problem is, 
if she is not remembering things when after she drinks, she probably thinks, oh, I wasn't that bad. Or you're, yeah, like you said, you're exaggerating. There's no way I did that. It's not that she's lying or doesn't realize what she's acting like. She may not remember and she thinks, well, I'm such a nice person normally and we always get along so well normally. There's no way I turn into this booze demon when I drink, she may just simply not believe it because I certainly wouldn't have believed it if Jen told me, hey, you know, you were kind of an a-hole the other night. I'd have been like, nah, that's just me, you know, whatever, I had three beers. The video did the trick. So if it, if that, if you film her, she cannot deny it. But here's the catch. If she sees the video and she doesn't stop, she needs help. I wish somebody would have filmed me in my 20s. It might have saved me a couple decades of being an a-hole. <laughs> I, tell me about it, man. I wish there, that, that we had ubiquitous smartphone video when I was like 22. I would have spent very little time imbibing. I'll tell yeah, you that. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, d- just watching yourself turn into this raving, raving moron when you're when my sense of pride is is... I'm measured and I'm, you know, I discuss things intelligently wherever possible and I try to be a role model for people. And then there's this guy that I just wouldn't even let get near me yeah. if I met him and it wasn't me, right? I would, I, if I saw Drunk Jordan in that state anywhere near me, I would have just been like, someone call the police, right? Look at this idiot. Yeah. So I will say know, that the, people have shown me sweaty pictures of me doing karaoke that I don't remember that definitely put me off the booze for a couple months at a shot. I'll tell you. And and that's and that's like in a state where you're allowed to be an idiot during karaoke. So imagine you're in your garage cleaning your own <laughs> yeah. barf off your new car like you're an idiot, man. How did I Jordan. get here? <laughs> how did I get here? Oh, how far? What is it? The how far, how far the, the mighty, mighty have fallen. fallen. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how I felt. And I still feel that little twinge of shame. <laughs> that's not so little every single time, you know, and Jen, Jen doesn't even have to say don't drink too much. She's just like she doesn't have to remind me at all. I'll have one or two drinks and I go. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to be lo- looking at the Nest Cam tomorrow morning. I think I'm good now. All right. <laughs> Next up. This one comes from Michael on the AOC Challenge page on Facebook. A lot of people think I'm arrogant because I don't talk in groups and I'm really shy. I'm not arrogant and I don't think I'm too good to talk to people. Why do they think this way? Hey, Michael, this is actually super common. A lot of quiet or shy people who are otherwise together, in other words, they're good looking or they look confident or whatever, a lot of times those people get mislabeled as arrogant because they're not very engaging, so it comes across as aloof. And so what I mean is, if you look at somebody who is shy and quiet, and maybe they look geeky and they're wearing, you know, a Looney Tunes shirt like I would have worn in sixth grade, and they're, you know, overweight and they're looking at their shoes, you're like, oh yeah, you know, this person's shy, I get it. But if you're looking at somebody who is an athlete and they're in good shape and they're tall and they got a tank and they just came back from skiing and they're skateboarding around and then they don't talk, you don't think, oh, this person's shy. You think, oh, you think you're too good to talk to us. I get it. So it's almost like you're not supposed to be shy because you don't look shy. So you must just think you're too good to talk, you're too good to engage with other people. And that's the thing, we can work on this, he's in the AOC challenge. It's not a great place to be because lots of people misjudge folks like that. And I I spent a lot of time being that guy, where in high school I just had low confidence. Same thing with college, but since I was in good shape and you know I, I was reasonably uh, good looking, at least according to the female friends who kept saying, how come you're still single? What the hell is wrong with you? A lot of people just assumed, oh, this 
this dickhead doesn't even care about talking with us. Meanwhile, I'm terrified. You know, or I'll see a girl at a table and she'll smile at me and I'll look away and walk away. And she's thinking like, oh, I guess I just got rejected. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, terrified that if I look up and smile, I'm going to trip over my own feet and knock out all my teeth. You know, that that's that's what's going through my head in college. So you can't really... You can't really blame people for this because it has to do with their own insecurities as well. However, it's not because you're actually exhibiting arrogant behavior. It's not necessarily, I should say, because you're exhibiting arrogant behavior. It may have to do with the shyness. Unfortunately, there's no real way to prove, look, I'm actually not arrogant. I'm just shy. I mean, you can say that, but that requires a little bit of getting out of your shell and and creating that awareness. So stick with the AOC challenge. Uh, That will help you. Jason, have have you got any experience with this type of thing? That was basically me until I hit 35. I was exactly, I mean, you you said it was like you in college, but that was me till I hit about 35 and finally got out of my skin and figured out that I'm just like everybody else. Everybody else is probably just as nervous as I am at a party and I can start talking to people. And then as soon as I got out there, got on the dance floor, as they say, it kind of just dawned on me that, hey, I I can talk to people. But yeah, everybody thought I was arrogant back then, too, because I wouldn't talk to people. I'd be the guy in the corner, you know, sipping my drink, not talking to anybody. Now, neither of us are shy and we're both arrogant. Yep. The switch is flipped to the other damn. side. Yeah, yeah how did that guys. happen? <laughs> yeah. Remember, you can join the AOC challenge as well, theartofcharm.com slash challenge if you want to go through those challenges. There's over 6,500 members strong in there helping each other get through the challenges along with the AOC team. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm.
Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. All right, moving right along. Hey, Jordan. So I'm really far behind in episodes, but I just listened to Cal Newport's episode on deep work. It was rock solid. I came away from it wondering just one thing. It sounded like this kind of deep work is an individual process. Can this happen in a team setting? And what would that look like? I imagine that distractions from people collaborating on the same project would still be disruptive enough to break deep focus. I hope you can shed some light on this. Cheers from Beijing. Actually, I asked Cal Newport about this because who am I to expound on this man's work? But he came back with this. Deep work does not require solitude. In fact, working with other people can even increase the depth that you achieve. To understand why, consider the classic example of two physicists working on an equation at a shared whiteboard. The fact that there is someone else there can help you maintain a deeper focus. If you let your attention wander, you might fall behind the thread of thought, which is socially undesirable. If you were working that whiteboard alone, by contrast, it'd be more tempting to take cognitive breaks, to check Facebook, or think about something easier. And uh, an example that I'd like to point out is pair programming. Because I did that for a long time and you can have deep focus while you're both working on the same bit of code and get farther along faster and you do definitely stay in deep, deep work mode. And even when you and I, Jordan, when we're doing videos together or doing any kind of collaboration together, we get like way deep into it and get twice as much, three times, four times as much done than if you and I were sitting there doing it alone. I mean, yeah, our our Monday meetings we do a lot in those 90 minutes. I mean, sometimes we spend like BSing back and forth and talking about stuff, but when we hit those guest lists and stuff, I've had that list for months and we basically did like 33% of it in 90 minutes, not even. No, definitely. And that was and and that half of that 90 minutes was spent planning how we were going to attack it. So <laughs> next time we we do next time we have our Monday meeting, I have a feeling we're probably going to finish the whole project or come damn close. It's it it is amazing. It's the accountability there along with the fact that if I come up with a problem and I have to think about something or if I come up with a cognitive block, rather than trying to push through it manually on my own, I can just say it out loud and the other person may have already solved that problem, they might have a creative idea, they might be on a different page, they might be on the same page. There's a lot of evidence that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts when it comes to working together. 
there's also going to be a, a level of, you know, diminishing returns when you get five people in a room and three of them are checking their cell phone and nobody's paying attention to it. You know, you're going to hit that limit of how many people I think that can be on the project. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it's just like two or three people, you can get way deep in and get a lot more done. Yeah, I had a teacher in high school that uh, whose rules we we seldom followed, but he was right. He said three people, four people. It's a study group. Anything over that, it's a party. Yeah, and he was right. I mean, every time we had four people in the room, three people in the room, we were crushing it. But as soon as there was that fifth person or more, it was just two people were in that room. Somebody was hungry. Another person was baking frickin' brownies. You know, <laughs> guys are outside rolling one, and I'm in there studying with the other guys going, crap, there's so much distraction happening. All right, last but not least. Hi, Jordan. In one of the Minisode Monday episodes on productivity, you talked about having your own calendar laid out weeks or even months in advance. Do you ever find that this system limits your flexibility when meetings or other tasks come up unexpectedly? Signed, Calendarly Curious. Actually, I don't find that it limits my flexibility that much. I mean, look, there are so few real emergencies in life in general that this is almost never a problem. If something really is urgent and out of control, I just cancel something or I move something because I have some flexibility built into the calendar. For example, if I have a prep block and it's five hours long and I've got to do five hours of prep, I can move some of it to Saturday if, yeah, i got to go to the dentist suddenly, right, because I've got a cracked tooth. You know, obviously, I would figure that out or I'd cancel an interview or two in order to make that happen. But no, emergencies tend to not happen when you just don't allow them to happen, and especially with work stuff. And this is especially true when you reclassify an emergency. For example, if somebody who wants to have a call with me about something is 30 minutes late to their 30-minute call time, That's not an emergency. Someone else's lack of planning or scheduling snafu is not my emergency. It's not yours either. They simply get rescheduled and they lose the time on their end. I always try to be as flexible as I can, but I found that with some people, if you're flexible, they will simply mold you to their schedule, even if it's a jumbled, chaotic mess. Now, fortunately, what I see at the levels where we are now and where the show is now is that most people that we deal with are super punctual because they value their time as well as other people's time. It's also a really good filter. If someone can't get it together enough to make an appointment or they're always late, I can tell who's going to be a time waster in other areas or during a project, and I can simply screen them out if this is a repeat offense. So paradoxically, the less flexible my schedule has become, the less flexibility I have actually needed in order to get everything accomplished. Does that make sense? 100%. And since I'm on the other side of your calendar every day, <laughs> I get to see it in action and it does mm-hmm. actually work. Yeah. It's um, it's funny because when I had uber flexibility through my day, someone would be like, hey, I'm running a little bit late. And I'd be like, cool, man. I'm just hanging at this cafe. And then like 45 minutes later, they show up and then I'm late for my next thing. And it's this cascading effect. And then, of course, if I'm late, other people are like, well, Jordan's always late. So they're telling me to arrive 30 minutes early. And then I get there on time and I'm early or I get there, you know, it's just a big mess. There's almost this unspoken rule that, especially in quote unquote showbiz, which we kind of sort of maybe are in, you have to show up on time because there's interviews. There's there's the truck is rolling. You're sitting here, Jason. I'm sitting here. There's teams. There's people waiting And a lot of the people that we're interviewing now are, of course, professionals, celebrities, athletes, authors, scientists. They're not sitting around waiting for something to do. They got they got ish to do. 
Yeah, and when you have when you have teams sitting around, you're burning money if you're not recording. So everybody needs to be on time. Exactly right. I mean, and and even you and I, when we've got guests that have issues, if they don't let us know what's going on, we just unplug them. Yep. I mean, that's all there is to it. Yeah. I guess we really are arrogant. <laughs> yeah, maybe I am. Yeah, maybe you need to film this. <laughs> there we go. Get the video going. All right. Uh, I've been getting weird questions in my inbox, and I decided maybe I should start throwing some of them at Fan Mail Friday. They're totally unrelated, but one of the super weird personal questions that I got recently was, uh, which physical ability do you have that almost no one else has? And, of course, there's always going to be somebody, there's going to be millions statistically of people in the world who can do anything like this, but I can wiggle my ears, and I've, I only found out as an adult. Yeah, that's very Stephen Colbert of you. He can do that, too. Yeah, I can wiggle my ears really, really quite well, actually. <laughs> so um, that's one physical ability that I have that no one else has. And I, I think this person was probably aiming at something like, you know, I can run 25 miles and, you know, barefoot or something <laughs> like that. But uh, I can't do that. What I can do is, is wiggle my ears. We're professional podcasters, man. Wiggling your ears is probably pretty good for the trade. <laughs> I would say so. That. I would in the podcast Olympics, I would take at least a silver for being able to wiggle my ears in the fashion that I am able to do so. Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us at Friday at the Art of to get your questions answered on the air. A link to the show notes for this episode can of course be found at the Art of slash FMF one oh one. Also, don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. Text the word CHARMED, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444. That works in the States. Of course, what works everywhere is just going to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We'll take you step-by-step at becoming better at making personal and professional connections, becoming a better networker, increasing your personal social capital, your charisma, the comfort zone. We're pushing that, and it's for both guys and gals, so check it out, theartofcharm.com slash challenge, or text the word CHARMED, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 here in the States. By the way, I'm doing a lot of speaking. Uh, I've been speaking all over the place. If you're interested in having me come and speak to your organization, corporation, school, whatever, reach out to me, Jordan at theartofcharm.com. Want to give a quick shout out to Glenn. He's going to be my uh, older brother-in-law, listens to every episode of AOC. He took AOC boot camp a really long time ago before I met him because I, I was on vacation that week randomly. And that's how I met his sister, Who's going to be my wife? Crazy story. So that's nuts. Uh, shout shout out to Glenn. Yeah, I know, right? Like who to thunk it? And uh, Nick Radovic, his boys Bill and MJ. Shout out to them from Sri Lanka, where Nick, who just did our new AOC show art for a ten year anniversary, that's where he's currently escaping. And last but not least, my number one fan, not to be confused with my number two fan, which is apparently her father, Mina. She's eight years old, and she. It bugs her dad to put on AOC in the car all the time. Her dad came through the program as well. Mina's father told her that the show teaches him how to have a better relationship with her mom and how to make new friends. And Mina was very interested in learning how to make new friends, as most eight-year-old gals really are. So thank you, Mina, for being my number one fan. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up. I will shout you out. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps that we run every week here in L.A. If you want to dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches or, you know, become my brother-in-law or something like that, that's what those boot camps are for, bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at the Art of Charm podcast 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com.